our leadership has invited our own uh, Naomi Tepper to share with us today. She's our new coordinator of small groups and missions. And I, join me in warmly welcoming uh, Naomi today. Bless you, Naomi. Amen. And Lord, thank you so much, uh, having been with Naomi in our staff meetings, uh, just to feel uh, her love and passion for community, having been touched so deeply in her own life. And just, we're, we're so grateful that she and David and their precious family are with us. And we even remember uh, Elliot and his whole, the, the whole ministry of Battelle we, around the world. We, we thank you for the power of community to change people's lives, your presence in community. Uh, we thank you, God, for using uh, your word today and your servant, Naomi. We bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it is um, a real honor, a real privilege to be able to share with you all this morning. Um, as it is also an honor to serve here in this congregation as um, director of small groups, um, director of mission. Both uh, community and mission have been things that I've been passionate about for, for a long time. Even if I think back to being a young girl um, and the way that my parents raised me. My parents were first generation Christians. And so they didn't have a model for how to do church. So they pretty much read the scriptures and they went out and did it. And so, um, not that they didn't become involved in church shortly after when we were very dedicated to church, but as a little girl, we would have kind of an open home. My parents were always taking in somebody, and we'd have someone staying with us. All our holidays would be full of whoever didn't have anywhere to go for holidays would be with us. Um, sometimes a little frustrating for me and my brothers, but most of the time... Um, most of the time we embraced it. Um, you know, other kids might be going to football games on a Saturday and there's several Saturdays that we'd be out visiting people in prison and all sorts of crazy things. Um, and then, obviously, my husband and I have been serving as missionaries for, um, for many years. We were in New York City serving with Battelle for 10 years. And um, if you don't know, I believe many of you know about Battelle, but Battelle has um, communities for addicts and alcoholics. Um, every time a community is planted, a church is also planted. And so David and I were serving for 10 years in New York. Um, a lot of the time, David and I were the, the only ones with, there with very little help. So we did whatever we needed to do to make um, the community work and function so that the church would work and function. Uh, we had church services three times a week. We had devotionals, Monday through Friday, five mornings a week. And so one of the needs was for people to teach and to preach. And um, not that it was particularly my choice or my, um, what I would have maybe chosen to do, but many, many times I had to share before um, this guy, this group of, uh, a group of guys in our little church in the corner of Astoria. So I'm not sure quite which is more daunting, Sharing before you guys this morning or sharing before that Motley crew. Um, I mean, just to give you a little picture of what it was like to share before them, okay? So I would often be given Friday nights. 
We'd eat dinner together, and then we would go, and we'd have a service. By the time I'd get to speak, it might be 8.30. Everyone's getting a little tired. Bobby, who if you've been to visit Battelle in New York, you may remember, would typically be snoring about 10 minutes into the sermon. It didn't matter how passionate you were or what you were talking about, so we'd gently nudge him and wake him up. Um, sometimes we'd have someone who'd recently come into the community that might be going through withdrawals on the back seat. We were community together, and whoever was there would be with us. And some times we'd have guys who were so enthusiastic about their newfound faith in God that they'd be shouting out, yeah, and they'd be stopping, hey, but what about this? Asking questions. So um, if someone could just fall asleep and snore for me and someone could elect to just shout at me a couple of times, it might make me feel, uh, feel more comfortable. Anyway, um, let's pray. I'd like to just pray for a couple of moments before we get into the Word. Oh, Father God, I just thank you for this honor and privilege, God. God, none of us need to hear my voice this morning, God, but we do need to hear your voice. So, God, I just pray that through my weakness, God, that you would speak to us, each and every one. ask this in your holy and your precious name. Amen. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, there we go. Feel better already. <laughs> so, um, we are going to just give it five or ten minutes and you can, okay. Um, <laughs> so, we're going to study today Acts 2. Um, and I want us to think about, and I know we've heard this passage and looked at this passage over the past few months, but I feel kind of compelled to go back there this morning. Um, I feel there's even more that God wants to speak to us about from that passage. And I want us to focus today on three, three vib- keys to vibrant community. So what do I mean by vibrant community? I mean community that people are drawn to. I mean community where... People on the outside of these church walls are drawn to, that are attracted to, are compelled, that they want to see and hear um, and find out what's going on. So that's when I talk about vibrant community this morning. That's what I am thinking and talking about. And wouldn't it be incredible if this church could meet community could be so vibrant that people would be drawn to us, right? A community of believers where the joy of our salvation, where the love of Jesus overflowed so much from our lives that people would be like, what is it that they have got? What is it that's going on at that church? What is it that that community of believers, what is it that's captivated their hearts? That they could be so drawn to the vibrant community that we have here that they would want to know the source of its vibrancy, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when I think, I think of church, um, or my experiences of church, I think of the steepled um, Anglican church where I grew up. I think of the church I was part of in, in Guatemala, the storefront church that had egg cartons for a ceiling. I think of the church in New York City in the middle of Times Square. I think of the warehouse church in London. I think of the church I was part of in South Africa where their worship was four little ladies ringing little bells. It's 
absolutely beautiful. And a church in Nicaragua that I was part of for a while that only had half a roof. And I ask, and this is one question I've had on my heart, and I've been asking God, I'm like, so often we see church and we see the scriptures through a cultural lens, through our own cultural lens, and I've been asking God, how can we strip that back and just get back to the bare bones of, of what you had in mind? So I want us to look at Acts 2 today with that heart and that mind, that we would see it as Jesus wants us to see it. The first key to um, community I want us to look at is salvation. Seems pretty self-explanatory, right? But I really feel that God wants to call us back and remind us this morning about the importance of our salvation. Let's start, it is Pentecost Sunday, as many of you may know. Let's start by going back to the scriptures and just... If you turn to Acts 2, I'm not going to read it all, but I just want to give us a recap. Just try and take our hearts and minds back there. What was it like? What was it like to be there at Pentecost? I think if I could pick a day in the life of the Scriptures where I could have been there, could have been a fly on the wall, could have seen what was happened, could have experienced it, I think it may very well have been the day of Pentecost. Okay, so Jesus had ascended to heaven. He told the disciples to wait and to wait for his Holy Spirit. Can we imagine for a moment what it would have been like for those disciples? What would they have been thinking? What would they have been feeling? What was his Holy Spirit going to look like? What kind of change was he going to bring? How was he going to come? And so the disciples did actually do what Jesus asked. They went and they waited for him, right? And a mighty gust of wind came through the building. And the disciples began to speak in languages. A fire fell. They began to speak in languages, not of their own. And there must have been such a commotion that people, the Jews who were staying there, were coming rushing to see what was going on. What on earth is happening? And when they came and they got close enough to be able to hear what was being spoken, these Jews from all over the world were hearing God being praised in their own dialects, in their own languages. But these simple disciples who would follow Jesus were now speaking, praising God in different dialects, in different languages that they could understand and hear in their own tongues. It must have been incredible to be there that day. Um, what happens? Well, I've got all my notes. Um, is that some, not all, but some of them started to say, are these guys drunk? What's going on? How can these simple guys be speaking these languages? Now, I have met a lot of drunk people. Working with alcoholics for many, many years, I have seen my fair share of drunk guys and girls, right? And never once have I seen someone that is drunk begin to speak perfectly in another language, to begin to speak perfectly in Italian, 
or to be, begin to speak perfectly in Zulu. Or to, and that's never happened. There's been times when I've not understood a word they've said, but it hasn't been another language, I can guarantee you that. So here we have Peter, this incredibly wonderful, colorful character we have in the scriptures, who I believe almost as a response to this false accusation begins to speak the first sermon. You know, I can imagine him being there like, people, people, let me tell you what's going on. These guys aren't drunk for goodness sake. It's nine o'clock in the morning. And he goes and he preaches an incredible, impassioned, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He speaks an incredible, incredible sermon. And these are the verses that he finishes his sermon with. We're at verse 36 of Acts chapter 2. And he says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the apostles, brothers, what can we do? Now, I want you to hold that thought for a moment. We're going to come right back to it. And um, I want you to check out if the technology will work at a photo on the screen. Okay, so you may see from the uniform, if you know anything about British culture, when we go to school in England, we get really dressed up, okay? So I, every day of my school life, went to school in a shirt and tie, a little bit like the girls and guys in the picture there. Now, the girl who's right in the middle with the long brown hair, she joined this school, Down House, at the age of 13. So it was high school in England, and normally you join high school at 11. She joined at 13, and she was severely bullied by the other classmates. She had her books thrown on the floor, she was teased, she was jeered at. Now, maybe it was because she started school a couple of years late, Maybe it was because she was a, um, a day student. She wasn't a boarder. It was a boarding school. I'm not sure the reasons why. But a couple of semesters in, the bullying was so bad that her parents took her out of the school. Now, the girl in question is Kate Middleton. Anyone know who Kate Middleton is? Yes the royal princess, none other than the royal princess. So these guys and girls, I mean, how do you think that they felt when they found out that girl that in school they picked on, jeered at, bullied, were mean to, to the extent that she left school? How do you think they felt when they realized, gosh, this is the one who's going to be a real prin royal princess? This is the one that could be queen one day? I think... I don't think they would have been cut to the heart, but I think they probably feel pretty bad, right? I mean, she's a princess. Um, they feel, feel some regret, right, for the way that they treated her. I think so. Um, so in a similar way, though vastly, vastly more significant way, I believe that those who were listening to Peter's sermon that day those who had bullied Jesus, who had jeered at Jesus. Maybe they'd shouted, crucify him, crucify him. 
Maybe they'd seen his tears in his eyes and they'd laughed. I mean, how do you think they felt when the realization dawned upon them that Jesus was truly who he said he was? That he truly was the Lord, that he truly was their saviour. The very one that they jeered at, the very one that they'd bullied, the very one that they'd put on a cross and watched him die. Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, doesn't hold back. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you <coughs> crucified, both Lord and Messiah. The people were cut to the heart, pierced to the heart. They came under deep conviction. Let us think back for a moment to that moment in our very own lives when we had a realization, a revelation that the way that we lived our lives was not pleasing to, to him. That moment when we realized our deep need of a savior, that we needed to know Jesus. When we knew that he could come in and could wipe the slate clean, when he could come in and forgive us of our sins. Remember that moment prior to salvation. Where were we at? How did we feel? How were we living our lives? And how did they change? when we gave our lives to the Lord. I'll think back to um, when I was 16 years old and for a couple of years I had been living, and I was pretty young, but I, I didn't, didn't think I felt it at the time, but a couple of years and I'd been living pretty hypocritical critical life. One foot on either side of the fence. And God stopped me in my tracks. My best friend Helen um, died really a tragic death um, 16 years of age, and it just stopped. My whole world was just held on, put on pause. And God spoke to me very clearly through the verse in Revelation 3, verse 16. It says, I know your deeds. You are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. Because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Harsh words, right? Really harsh words, especially when you're going through grief. When I think back, I'm like, gosh. But words that brought life, life in abundance to me. In that moment, I knew I had to either be completely for God or just forget it altogether. 100% or nothing. There was no one foot on either side of the fence. That wasn't going to work. And that did not please God. And so I have never regretted not one day, not one moment since that time that I made the decision that I was going to be all in, 100%, I have never regretted for one moment. It's good to look back. It's good for us to remember. It's good for us to go back to that day, that moment, that time, and remember what Jesus has done for us. Let us never forget. Let us never forget the rock from which we were hewn. Let's never forget the pit from which he brought us from. And let us never forget the joy, the joy of his salvation. That once you make that decision, that joy comes and it overflows from our lives into the lives of others. You know, I think back to life in Batel, a lot of times we'd be saying to the guys, remember where you've come from. Don't ever forget where God's brought you from. 
Because these guys, they, you know, maybe a couple of months in, would start to feel physically good, would start to feel good again. And as a new guy came through the door, a complete mess, they would need to love, love, love on that guy. They would need to pour out their hearts. They would need to pray over them. They would need to sacrifice for them. And the only way they could do that was to remember what God had done for them, what Jesus had done for them. And we so quickly forget, I know I so quickly forget how desperate we were and how desperate we are in need of our Savior. And when we remember, we remember where we come from. We remember the joy of our salvation and that joy becomes alive afresh in our lives. We are able to give, we are able to serve, we are able to love in a way that honors God in our life, in our community, in our church, with those that God puts in our path. But we cannot love others effectively when we lose the joy of our salvation, when we forget all that he has done for us. And very often it's easy for us to become prideful or to become exclusive in our community or um, judgmental of those that he brings into our path. I feel like God's like, no, remember where you were. Remember what you did. And I came and I loved you. And I want you to do the same for others. Does anybody here read, um, ever read Smith Wigglesworth's sermons? I, um, I think I was first drawn to him because he had this crazy name. And I'm like, oh, that guy's got to be good. Smith Wigglesworth? <laughs> but um, for, I've gone back for many, many years just reading his sermons. And I really, um, I find them pretty inspiring. And he shares um, about this idea of looking back. And I just want to read a few of his words. He says, um, then, dear friends... This backward look tends to make us tender toward others and to encourage us to hope for their salvation. True Christians should never feel, I am too good to associate with such sinful people as I see all around me. If you would look back to the rock from where he was hewn, to the hole of the pit from where he was dug, he would never allow such a thought as that to linger in his mind even for a moment. And it's kind of hard to hear, right? But it's so true. And I think that that's why the Lord's impressed it upon me this morning to share this, that we get back to that place. Is because I do believe that he is and will in increasing measure be bringing people through those doors that are from all sorts of backgrounds, have so many things going on in their life, Maybe they have tattoos. Maybe they smell of liquor. I don't know exactly what they look like, but they can, the Lord's going to bring people in and he's going to call on us to lavish his love upon them. And we need to be ready and we need to be prepared for that. One of the ways we do that is to remember, remember where we've come from. I believe the second key the second key to community is, um, and the second way that we join together to display the gospel is compassion. Is the compassion that we have for one another. Okay, it says all the believers were together. They had everything in common, selling their goods, providing for one another, 
Now, as the theologians in here will know, that this, we're not sure how long they lived quite like this, right? So we're kind of off the hook. We don't have to all go out there, sell our homes, or move in and share. I don't think that God's calling us to do that. I mean, maybe it wouldn't be such a bad thing, but I don't think he's calling us to literally sell all of our stuff, share it all out. And, but what I do think is important is the vision of community that this picture of the Acts 2 church casts for us, the church. The concern for the common good, the love for one another. The importance, um, the priority of relationships over, the, the, over um, our material goods. I think there's so many truths in it that, um, that we do need to grasp a hold of. We remember in John where it says, the commandment that he gives us, right, to love one another as I have loved you. What a high calling. To love one another as I have loved you. That's the calling that we are to love each other in this place, in the way that he loved us. In order to do that, I say that we need to be in community. We need to know one another. How can we provide for someone's needs if we don't know them? How can we look out for someone if we don't know them? So he calls us to be in community, whether that looks like us being in a small group or, or, or being in another group in the church. He calls us to be in community. He calls us to know one another, to love one another. I think of um, these huge redwood trees in California. Have any of you actually seen them? I've seen these amazing pictures, these redwood trees, right? I saw a picture um, one time, and this was what drew my, drew my attention to them, of a redwood tree so huge that it had like a little cutout in the middle for the cars to drive through. They, um, apparently, some of them are 300 feet high. That is pretty huge. And um, some of them more than 2,500 years old. That's pretty old. Um, and you would imagine that these trees, because they were so huge, would have roots that went real, real deep into the soil to be able to sustain them. But in actual fact, these magnificent trees have really shallow roots. But what these roots do is that they go down into the soil and they reach across to the roots of other redwood trees and they grasp hold of them and they're intertwined. Their roots with the roots of others. And that is in fact what sustains them. That is in fact what enables them to so grow so strong and so powerful and so mighty. And I believe that the way that those trees um, are intertwined, God calls us to be like that. Our lives to be intertwined um, it, with each other. They, the way that they're intertwined enables them to survive, to survive the storms, to survive the come, things that come their way. They stay strong and they continue to grow. The other picture that I love when I think of community is um, the picture of soldiers going into battle. And at the front of that battle, you'd have with their shields, one soldier's holding up his shield and another soldier right next, their shields are interlocked. And as it goes down the line, all of those that have their shields interlocked together, as they walk into battle, they're strong. They're going to be victorious. 
The one that we need to be concerned about is the one who's over on the other side with his shield and he's not joining in with his army. He's the one that's in real danger. But when we're interlocked, when we've got our shields interlocked and we're walking forward, that's when we have the victory in our lives. That's when we see progress and movement. You know, we're called to um, truly care for one another, to love one another, um, to walk through joys, to walk through pains, to walk through difficulties, to mourn together, to celebrate together. And that's when community truly is beautiful, not only within our own congregation, but for those looking in and seeing what we have going on here. I know that there's many um, small groups in our church, and there's many members of small groups who have been truly, truly blessed to have a community to walk through times with them to celebrate with them. There's been people that are here who have walked through death and they've had that community that have come around them, that have loved on them, that have provided meals for them, that have prayed for them, that have cried with them. Through sickness, through illness, through teenage children walking away from the church. Through so many things, so many have been blessed here in our congregation because there's been someone who stood out and said, I'm going to lead a small group and I'm going to be... I'm going to champion us um, doing life together, doing community together. Now, I'll share a personal testimony. Um, We might have a photo. There it is. Um, Many of you know that uh, a few years ago, we had a house fire. So we'd already been going through a really difficult time. Challenge, it seemed like it was wave upon wave of challenges that the... We're just in our lives. And then when we thought we've had it, we've, we've walked through these challenges, we've, we had a house fire, okay? So we freak electrical fire. It wasn't like it was anybody's fault. Uh, we lived in a very old um, apartment in New York City. And um, I was home with my boys. And Ben was on the sofa. He wasn't very well. Me and Gabe were preparing um, food in the kitchen. And we walk out and we see that my kid's room was in flames, like flames from the back, everywhere, right to the doorway. It was in flames. We didn't have time to get a cell phone. We didn't have time to do anything. We got out. Um, so we get out with bare feet. We're nothing. I've got Ben because he's got a high fever. And, um, yeah, we lost, we lost most of our stuff. If we didn't lose it to the flames, we lost it to the smoke, to the fire crew coming in and water pouring on everything. But as I look back to that time, I see and I recall the beauty of community coming around us. So we see in a picture there, do you see the word hope? There's the word hope because I think that it, a little wooden, you know, these little letters that you get saying hope must have been upon that. That was my great-grandmother's um, china right there, and it, it imprinted the word hope. As we were going through that home, as we went in, after the flames subsided and the fire crew let us go in, there were little things that I could just, God was just encouraging me with. This was one of them. But more than anything else, what God encouraged me with, what it blessed me with, was that people, friends were coming around. As soon as the flames died down, I was like, what about my photos? I don't care about anything else. But she goes in. It's still dangerous. She goes in there and she brings them out for me. People come along, they scoop up my kids and take them to a safe place. 
People were coming for days and days and they were going up into that place. I mean, it, it, it was awful. It stunk. I would smell of smoke for probably uh, over a week. And they would come into that place with us. It would get dirty with us. They would enter clean and they would come out filthy. Like filthy, like you've got to throw your clothes away, filthy. I remember two days in, after we've been going up and down these stairs, they said, oh, you've got two or three days and then the, the rescue and repair crew are coming in. So you've got two or three days to get anything out that you want or you want to salvage or any memories that you want to look at or, or look through. And um, that second night, I remember driving home well, it wasn't home, driving back to the men's residence because we moved into two rooms in the men's residence. And I went in and I stopped at the, the corner store. I was like, I'm hungry, I need to get something. Probably wasn't a healthy thing at that point. It was like probably Coke and Doritos. But And um, this Chinese guy, bless him, who ran the store starts shouting at me at, at me in Chinese and chases me out the store. This is just give you an impression of what it was like. I can only guess this guy thought I was homeless. I mean, I smoke black face, smoke all that, and um, he chased me out of that place. But people were coming into that mess, into that grime, into that dirty place. We're getting dirty with us. We're loving on us. We're providing for us. We're cooking meals for us. And after all that was said and done, the community there even paid so that we could go as a family away for a few days and just relax. Like, community is powerful, and we need community. These trees needed each other. To, I don't think that they would be reaching those heights if there wasn't the other tree next to them to be entwined with. We need one another. We need community. And people, when all that was going on, I remember conversations, because we were in the community all the time, saying, oh, my goodness, like, you have so many friends, so many people are coming and serving with you. People are, are looking after you. And they saw the community that arose and came around. And they begin to ask questions. They see the beauty. And then I'll go one step further. <coughs> um, we truly, truly honor Jesus and we display his gospel in our lives when we love one another. But we do that in an even greater sense and in a way that the world cannot comprehend or understand is when we do that for the one that we don't even know. For the one that's come through the doors and has been attracted to the light of the community. To the stranger, to the new believer. When we can love on them. When we can lavish the Lord's love on them. Not only does it speak to their heart, in an incredible way, as we reveal Jesus' love to them. Speaks to those around that see it. And you know, one of the biggest things, when I, when I first was introduced to Battelle, I went and I served in Madrid at their headquarters, and I moved in with the girls, the girls' community. I was just one of the girls. I was nothing special. I just went in there. I lived alongside them. I worked alongside them. I ate meals with them. I talked to them in my broken Spanish. Um, but one of the things that impacted me the most from that time was the fact that when a new girl came into the community, that these girls, these leaders, came around this girl, who may have come in skinny, smelly, right? who may have been rejected by her family, by the authorities. She may have been prostituting herself the night before, may still be high on drugs, 
She doesn't look like anything to the world. She looks like, forget about her, her life's done. And these girls would come who not long before maybe have been in a similar state and they would just love on her. They would feed her, they would clothe her, they would wash her, they would massage her when she was going through withdrawal. They would stay up all night with her. We used to have a, a rotation, four hours. You get four, you get, you know, you get four to eight, you get, and we would stay up all night just praying with her, talking with her. You know, as you're coming off heroin, you get, sometimes get real, real hungry, would sit and eat munchies with her. Whatever it took, but it just spoke to my heart and it broke my heart during those first few months. Like the way that they were lavishing love, Jesus' love upon these new community members. And then would see these guys, these girls, girls in my case, their lives just begin to turn around. I mean, how can you not be impacted when that kind of love's poured out? How can your life not be changed or transformed? Now, for most of us, we're not called to, to live in full-time community. We're not called maybe even to love um, people that are in those kind of states. That's not what the calling is for everybody. But we are called to love one another radically. Those within this community and those that the Lord puts in our path. Those that the Lord brings to our doors. We are called to love them radically like Jesus loved us. Love one another as I have loved you. Okay, third key to vibrant community. The early church were on a mission, an important assignment. It says they gave to anyone as they had need. They gave to anyone as they had need. Now, one of the challenges is, I believe, that the culture in which we live is very different from the culture in which they live. And I think that is, um, it is a big part of the challenge for us. They were living in extended families. They were living in close proximity with one another. People were able to see Christianity up close. You know, as a member became a Christian and their lives were being transformed and who were in that family, people around them could see the transformation that was taking place. They could see lives transformed. They could see marriages restored. They could see the child who was being rude and disobedient being changed. They could see people being drawn back. It was evident for many to see. You know, when you think of the upper room at Pentecost, so many came running great. And I think some of that speaks of the culture in which they lived, in which they were in close proximity. People could hear, they could see, they, they, they had an, an idea of what was going on. But also the Christians could see around them the needs. Very clearly, because they lived in that kind of community where they knew their neighbors, they could see and they were just close to them because they could see if so-and-so had a need, they could see what was going on. And so they were able to, to provide, to meet those needs. So often in our, in our culture, we live primarily in our homes, right? Our lifestyle is more home-centered than community-centered. Often when we relax, we relax in front of the TV or with our iPads or I believe when they relax, they relax together in community. So I think our call is to be more intentional. We have to be more purposeful because it's not necessary and we're not necessarily going to see those needs as evident, as evidently around us. 
you know, and um, it's good for us to know as well that this community wasn't perfect. You know, they had their faults, they had their weaknesses. I think it's in, um, it is in Acts 6 where they talk about the Greek-speaking um, Jew, Jews are coming and they're saying, hey, you're giving out all this food, you're providing for all these needs, but you've forgotten our widows. And they're starting to complain, they're getting upset because their widows are being forgotten. And if you look into it and you read about it, their widows were, were some of the ones that needed the most help. They were the ones who didn't always have family around, spoke a different language, didn't understand, and they really needed the love of Jesus. And one of the things, another thing that God's been putting on my heart um, recently is who are those people in our community? Who are the unreached people groups in our community? Because there are unreached people groups in our community, people that aren't receiving, that aren't on receiving end of, of, um, of Jesus' love, that aren't hearing it. I don't feel like they're in a place, that there's a place in the church for them. Who are those people? You know, right now there are so many in this community, in our city, and God had to reveal this to me because when we came and we're expecting to be in missions full-time and to continue that, I was like, God, how can I stay in a city like this? It's so beautiful and so wonderful. And is there even any need? And God's been revealing to me, yes, there's need. Yes, there is need. Yes, there is need. And, if you, you know, introduce, um, I meet a heroin addict at CVS or yes, there is need. See this family in need. Yes, there is need. Just there, there's so much need. There's probably there's a girl out there right now who is trapped in sex trafficking. There is a guy out there who is so desperate, an addict out there who's so desperate for someone to give him a hand up to help him out. There's a single mum out in our community who has no idea how she's going to pay the rent. There are people out there that desperately, desperately need the love of Jesus and need, they need the practical love of Jesus through his um, church. I don't know if you guys have seen, as you drive, I think it's down South College Road, there's probably in a bunch of places these billboards um, and they say, um, hashtag, you all know what hashtag is, right? Um, love Wilmington. They have a beautiful picture of Wilmington, and it says, hashtag love Wilmington. And every time we drive by those signs, I look at them and I think, how am I loving Wilmington? How are you calling me to love Wilmington? What is it that you're calling me to do? You know, I have a family. I'm, life's busy, so I'm like, how does that how do I, a lot for me because I have a, a son with special needs, it's, it's in the OT's office where many, many families come in and they have so many, challenge, so many challenges going on in their, in their families. So many of them feel there's not a place for them in the church. So for me, you know, it's different for all of us. But I ask, what is it? How is it you want me to love this city? There's many small groups as well that have served or are serving outside of the four walls of this church. And individuals as well making an impact in this community. If we think about many of the ministries, and you guys know better than I do, but many of the ministries in this city were founded by members of this church. Or members of this church had a huge impact in, um, in them coming into being. We need to be that community on a mission, purposeful, intentional, making the most of every opportunity to display his gospel. Now, what was it that happened when the early church focused on these keys, when they focused on community? What happened? What came out of that? 
says <coughs> that everyone was filled with awe. Okay, a verse later it says all the believers, but right there it says everyone was filled with awe. The people in the church, the people outside of the church, they were filled with awe. They enjoyed the church, they enjoyed the favor of the people. And it says that the Lord added daily to those who were being saved. All came upon everyone. Why did, we, why did it come upon everyone? The next part, it says that, um, that there were miracles, that miracles were taking place. Now, did the miracles come out of the awe that everyone was in awe and miracles started to happen? I believe part of it was because within the church body, they were just loving, loving one another so radically that people just stood in awe at what they saw was happening. That in the church, they were going out and seeing need and pouring into that need and providing a loving on those outside of the church that people just were taken back. Because in their culture, this didn't fit in. This wasn't the way things go. We didn't do this. But it was what Jesus was calling the church to do. They enjoyed favor with all people. When we do live church in this way, it is, as it was meant to be, becomes compelling, a place that people are drawn to. You know, the light. That's the way it should be, that people are drawn to our doors. It becomes attractive. People want to see what's going on. They want to be a part. The Lord was adding to their number daily. Why was he adding? They were growing. They were thriving. I think in part it was because they were so full of the joy of their salvation. They knew where they had come from. They were so overflowing with joy of their salvation in their lives and the love of Jesus that it was pouring over into the lives of others. And they saw no one beyond hope. They were living compassionate lives in community, providing for one another's needs and providing for the needs that they saw around them. And they lived on life on a mission. I cannot believe that such a vibrant community is really out of reach here in Wilmington here at this very church. My prayer today, and I'm coming into land, <clears throat> my prayer today is that each of us would take away something from today's sermon. Maybe it is that we're in that place where we need to regain the joy of our salvation. We need to look back and remember where he's brought us from. Maybe that's where we need to go. Maybe we just need to take some time this week to think on that, reflect on that, and allow God just to bring it fresh to our minds that we would fall in love with Jesus once again, just afresh. And we would remember what he's done for us. <clears throat> We'd allow ourselves just to remember when we were cut to, cut to the heart, that moment when we were cut to the heart and brought into his kingdom. Maybe we've accepted his salvation, but we haven't taken that step to be in community. You know, there's no such thing as a as a, um, 
an isolated Christian. We weren't called to be alone. We weren't called to be a lone ranger. We weren't called to do, do Christianity on our own or to work out our faith on our own. We were called to community. And maybe that is something we need to think about and make a commitment to being in a small group. Maybe a commitment to get to know people in our church community. Or maybe you're in a small group, maybe you're in community, but you need to feel a call today that you want to go above and beyond in the way that you love those around you. You want to learn what it is to love radically. Maybe you feel the call to speak to those you're in community with about what is your purpose, what is your mission, that you would be on mission together with those people that you're close with, making an impact in this community that so desperately needs to know the love of Jesus. I want to take, <coughs> I want to take a few moments today just to honour all of those who have been doing some of those things we're talking about, have been living in community, who have been championing community in our midst. You know, as I first became small group, <coughs> lead, um, small group director, I sent out these questionnaires about the small groups. How are they doing? And I was receiving about these questionnaires. And one of the questions was, how long have you been serving in this role? And some people in this room have been serving as small group directors. I mean, small group leaders for maybe 10 years, 15 years, for a long, long time, have been championing, championing community in our midst. We want to take a moment to honor them today. If you started... Some in our midst have, been, have just started small groups. That's a courageous and a brave thing to step out and do. And we want to honor those people today as well. Some people maybe aren't leading small groups right now, but have in the past. They've served for many years. We want to take a moment to honor you today as well. So I'll just ask those that are current small group leaders to stand right now. I'll ask those that have been small group leaders to stand right now. I ask those, maybe your group's not formally a small group, but you've been championing community also to stand. That we might take a few minutes just to, to honor you and, and honor your sacrifices that you've made and that you make this morning. Thank you so much. I wouldn't want to embarrass um, the small group leaders, but I would like to ask you, if you are a small group leader, would you, would you be willing, um, I don't want to embarrass you, but would you be willing to come forward because we want to present you with something today. If you're presently a small group leader or you've been one in the past, please come forward and, and don't, don't be embarrassed. Uh, we just want to honor you quickly. Uh, but it's important that we do, we do this because you really uh, are unseen but are so, so important to the church family. So if you've been a small group leader, you're presently a small group, you may be new small group leader. Uh, if you've done it or are presently doing it, would you come forward? Uh, at this time. And while they're coming, you know, I don't go back and listen to many sermons, 
But I'm going to go back and listen to this sermon. Because God anointed uh, our sister uh, today to speak a word to us. Can you say amen to that? Thank you, Lord. And I know my heart uh, and Pastor Steve's heart and Michael and everybody here, uh, somehow God has spoken to us, and I want to go back and not miss what he's really saying to us. On Pastor Steve and, and the session's behalf, I wanted to say something to the small group leaders. You are people who... Um, love people. Can we all say amen to that? And, and you've, you've not only loved people, uh, you know, for a week or a month, uh, you've loved people consistently, weekly, meeting, opening your homes. And many others are sitting out here who are not up front, but I honor you uh, on behalf of the leadership of this church. And you are people who love people and that's obvious, but one of the things that isn't obvious is why do you love people? You love people deeply because somebody loved you first. Isn't that right? And God changed your heart because of that face-to-face relationship that you had with somebody who loved you when you didn't deserve it, and it imparted something to you. And because you had that kind of face-to-face relationship. It changed your life. And having been changed uh, by community, you create community uh, for others. Can we say amen to that? And not just occasionally. You do it week after week, not just a year, not just 10 years. There are people in front of you who've been doing this for 20 or 30 years. And M.H. Allen and Clara, you're not here today, but I just want to say thank you because they've been doing this for 35-plus years. Can we thank the Lord for that? Thank you, Lord. For just... And I see John and Connie Rubel up there who have done it about the same, uh, and there are numerous others of you who are here who have helped create community. It's the, you are the unseen heroes in the church, uh, and, and, and Pastor Steve and I uh, want to... Just, you'd never want to be recognized, but today God wants you to be recognized. You're unseen heroes. Uh, you've made sacrifices over long periods of time. And we're going to give you a token. I think Anna Rains uh, made these little tokens. It's a token. But I pray somehow God will use that token disproportionately to help you to see uh, that, that you are beloved and well done, my good and faithful servants. And we want to honor you before God. Would you just stand and let's, let's, let's honor them today in giving thanks to God. Thank you. Thank you. And as Kyle, as Kyle and Brittany uh, give out these little things, Pastor Steve, would you come and, and pray for, for us? Let's, um, I think they've probably completed the gift. I'm going to ask that you come around them, and then I'll pray. Would you do that? Come on. Somebody just come up and put a hand on, on their shoulders. And 
Lord, there are so many different kinds of groups in this church. But Lord, you're the author of all of them. And Lord, you have called people to say, here am I, send me. And so it is, Lord, with each of those who have put their hand to the plow, so to speak. And Father, we thank you for them, for each one of them. God, those who are presently serving, those who have served for years and years. And Lord, we thank you that they have been and are people who love because you first loved them. And Lord, there are those who have not forgotten from whence they've come. Lord, they remember that the great love of Jesus has been poured out upon them. And they've then been called to share that love of Jesus with those around them. Lord, we pray that in the days to come, there would be a, just an awe that would come upon groups in this house. And that through them, God, you would begin to draw people from the north and the south, even our east and from the west. Lord, not so much to us, but to you. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I would draw all men, all people to myself. Lord, we pray for great encouragement today to be stirred into the heart. Lord, maybe there are some who've just lost hope. Lord, they've just grown tired and, and weary. Lord, we're all prone to that. But we pray, Lord, that you would draw each one of us afresh to wait upon the Lord so that our strength would be renewed. Lord, that they would mount up with wings even like eagles. Lord, thank you that these are they who have been called and anointed by your Spirit for such a time as this. And Father, I pray that this, would, this group would, only, would represent only um, a down payment, so to speak, of those that you would be calling into the ministry of love, in the ministry of service, the ministry of community, of living life together. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for the hope that Naomi spoke about. Lord, that hope comes from you. So, Lord, I thank you. I'm grateful for those whom you've called. And I'm thankful, God, I'm grateful for those that you are even calling today to make fresh commitments, a commitment to inventory their lives and say, Lord, maybe this is that which is lacking in my own life. Lord, lead me into that community of your choosing. Lord, maybe there are those here today who would say, I think maybe the Spirit of God is calling me to be a leader of groups. That means to serve and to love and simply gather people for mutual encouragement and sharing of life. Father, thank you for that. Thank you for those who are making that commitment even today. Thank you for this congregation, Lord, that you have not forgotten them, but that you have seen their faith and their good works over the years. And Lord, you have not forgotten 
And Lord, you are releasing us into a new chapter of our life together. Father, I pray that there would be great expansion, that the kingdom of God would be extended, Lord, through this representation. Lord, those who have led, those who are leading, and those who would lead in our future. Father, thank you that it is not by our might or power, but it's by your Spirit. Infuse your Spirit into each one of us today. God, that we would ultimately be careful to give you all of the praise. Lord, we bless those who are standing, those who are led, have led, those who are leading. Lord, we pray that you continue to pour out your blessings upon the families of this congregation, that we would be light, that your spirit would be seen, and that you would draw men and women to yourself. God, we give you praise in advance. And we thank you for Myrtle Grove. We thank you for every church where Jesus is declared in our region. And Lord, we pray that we want to lock arms as those big redwood trees, that we would lock our arms and our lives together even as those trees lock their roots together, that we would grow into an expansive community that would reach and be an encouragement to this entire city, along with those whom you're calling as well from other churches in this region. Lord, we bless you today and we thank you that we can celebrate, that we can set ourselves apart and consecrate our lives to you afresh. And we do that in the name of Jesus. Father, we bless you today and we thank you for giving us an opportunity to share. And we remember, God, that uh, not only have you called us to groups, but you've called us to family and in families there are children. <laughs> and so, Lord, we pray for our upcoming uh, luncheon with our children's uh, leaders and those who may participate there. We pray, Father, that you would release your presence in every aspect of this congregation so that you alone would receive glory. And everybody said together a great big amen. God bless you and have a wonderful day today. You are dismissed. Why don't you come and hug on some of those who are up here? Enjoy your afternoon or come join us for our children's ministry training. God bless you.